everyone. Welcome back to the Stripe Show podcast brought to you by Encore Golf. Encore designs high performance golf balls for players of all skill levels and swing speeds. Get fitted for your perfect golf ball today. EncoreGolf.com. Well, your two hosts, well, all we're missing is Froggy, Travis, but it's yeah. today. We're back with your last minute look into the Ryder Cup that starts finally tomorrow morning. I feel like it's been three weeks since we've seen a golf tournament on TV. But you are joining us live from Milwaukee before attending the action at Whistling Straits this weekend. Did you have a good travel day? Yeah, I just got in here uh, in M- Milwaukee. My uh, my first time uh, to the state of Wisconsin. I've already got some cheese here in Milwaukee best that I'll probably crack into here a little post podcast. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Uh, Whistling Straits is about an hour north of here. And I can tell you, I've been watching a little bit of the telecast on the way up and being out here in Milwaukee, the wind is moving right now and uh, it almost feels a bit scottish link style on the golf course right now so we needed to warm up a little bit which is supposed to and the wind to die down just a little bit to to give us the full home court advantage but it's good to be here what is your schedule why what why are you there you don't typically travel like this so tell us what's up yeah i'm uh, emceeing a couple um events a group called on location will be at the uh um, Harley Davidson Museum tonight, and uh, am seeing that event, and then we'll be at a different location on Friday, and I'll be spending some time with Tony Jacklin, a little Q and A with him. I believe Scott Verplank, Claude Herbert III will join us on Friday, so a little Q and A style, uh, a little partying, a couple of drinks, and um, you know, reminisce about what just happened in the Ryder Cup uh, as we get it rolling here tomorrow. Well, yeah, it is Thursday. Like we said, I feel like we've covered every storyline and every, you know, yeah. we're running out of things to talk about, but Kohler is a good place. I spent some time there in 2012 when I played in the U S open at black Wolf run, obviously we're at whistling straights, which is like their sister course. So they're affiliated in some way, but about the course it's link style. And like you said, it does on paper, right. Tend to favor the Europeans, especially with the wind. So what should we be looking out for on TV this week? Well, I think, um, you know, the wind's going to dry it out a little bit. Um, you know, it looks kind of linksy. The wind's going to make it feel certainly linksy. I think the way it'll play will be American based as far as the, the ball carrying through the air. We don't want the wind to be howling too much. Perhaps that'll take away a little bit of the advantage. Um, but, you know, these fairways, you know, it's Pete Dye. So when you stand on the tee, there's going to be a couple moments where when you're looking at the TV, you're going to ask yourself, where the hell are they going? Because you can't see the fairway. Um, and P die is the master at getting you looking different places. These practice rounds are really important to get your sight lines off the tee, especially when the wind changes. I think carrying the ball 300 plus, which we have a lot of guys that can do that will give them the advantage. There's not going to be much rough off the fairway. I do think it'll be a carry it to the hole type of thing. I think the greens will remain uh, receptive. The ball's not going to be bouncing up and around like we would see overseas. So uh, there's a lot of there's some trouble around the green zone. That's for sure. Uh, I'm very curious on the pin locations. How difficult do they want to get the pins? You know, I've been talking the last two weeks. I'd like to keep it pretty vanilla. You know, use the length. I think we're better iron players and just keep it kind of vanilla and let's make some putts, which has been difficult because Europe, as you know, seems to make all the big putts. Yeah, they do. But let's talk about the wind because that's something that I feel like an instruction, which you're an instruction, as we know, 
you don't necessarily teach a lot unless you're on a, you know, a playing lesson or something like that with your instructor. So when you're at a course and you're playing on the weekend and the wind kicks up, what's your typical strategy? What would you advise for those weekend golfers? How do you gauge that? Well, just in general, you know, most amateurs come up short. So, you know, just taking more club in general is kind of a hard thing to do for most amateurs because they don't take enough into greens and they come up short more times than not. So when you get the, the wind going, um, you know, especially into the wind and crosswinds, it, it, it'll, it's going to knock it down even more. So, you know, first and foremost, you're always encouraging amateurs to take enough club and, and, and one, sometimes it's even two more clubs and hit that shot, the stock shot. And then if they can flight it, of course, that's an advantage. And just learning the flight ball, learning to flight the ball down is a shot that really all amateurs should learn, regardless if the wind is blowing or not, because it's going to suggest how to lean the shaft forward, deal off the face. And that's just a high caliber shot. So when you look at players who add loft, now the wind's blowing, it tends to eat it up more. Um, and so that that lower trajectory, learning how to hit that, taking enough club, more than enough club allows you to flight it and allows you not to swing as hard. And we know that's conducive in the wind. I love a good punch shot. And yeah. I, I, there was a whole time in my career where I think that's all I hit. And yeah. let me tell you what, I hit it further than I did <laughs> trying to with that full swing. Because the D loft, that's right. That's right. And you're going to see that shot this week. There's no, there's no question about it. You're going to see a lot of little sawed off shots. Um, and, and for these guys, trust me, they will be hitting shots and this is an interesting thing. They're, they'll be hitting shots, especially into the wind. And even downwind, you'd be surprised how they want to keep it down even a little bit downwind. Um, but getting comfortable hitting like a seven iron from 150, you know, that's something that they don't do very often. And I do think there's going to be some pretty good gusts coming off Lake Michigan where you're going to be seeing a lot of club and certainly sawed off types of shots. Yeah, that makes sense. It'll be interesting to watch a lot of the holes there on the lake as we as we know. But let's talk about what we've seen so far from both teams. Both teams have been up there for a few days. As we talked a little bit before the pod, Europe seems to be having a little bit more fun. USA, a little bit more business type feel. Um, that's pretty standard for the Ryder Cup for, for us. What are your initial thoughts just looking at how the teams have interacted in the past few days? Well, I mean, I tweeted it out. Europe looks just far more comfortable, you know, hanging around each other. I think it's just being around each other for this period of, of time. Um, Europe, you know, in the way that the European tour is and the way a lot of these guys came up, they travel together. Um, it's not uncommon to be doing a lot of different things together when you're on tour on the European tour, uh, Eddie Pepperell talked about that on the, on the podcast a couple months ago. And then, you know, in the United States, it tends to be a little bit more like business light. You kind of travel by yourself um, and you have your own teams and that's who you travel with. And then maybe a dinner or a dinner, you know, a dinner or two or something like that. Um, but it's, it's a little bit more uh, business like it's a little bit more um, from an individual standpoint, your own brand entrepreneur, they have their own logos, you know, and that's very much corporate America. So I think that's kind of what you see when they get around each other. It doesn't look as, as natural as it would from the European tour perspective, because I do think they buy in more to that team atmosphere. Um, you know, they have that trust, they've joked around, they know how far they can push it with one another. So it just comes across very authentic. And you saw it yesterday with these cheese heads, uh, 
you know, when they come out and they're wearing the cheese heads and they're kind of buying in, you know, they're getting everybody to kind of, you know, gravitate towards them. They're good guys. They're, they're likable and it's just brilliantly played. So, you know, they're just, they just look loose. And I hope in the United States behind closed doors, they can, you know, they're bonding and they're going to be able to come out and play instinctive and loose golf because in the past, I don't think that's been the case. Europe certainly has. That makes sense. I mean, I did see the cheese head thing. It was funny. Yeah. It was uh, trying to win over the, you know, Wisconsin whole vibe, everybody who's there. You were traveling today, though, and I will say we need to give the U.S. a little credit because they came out on the first tee today with uh, beer cannon things. Okay. Um, silver beer cannons. Perfect. Yeah. Honestly, they didn't need the cannons because the beers kept going over the stands. <laughs> But it's the thought that counts. Yeah. Um, and they had Team USA on them. They were loading beers in, and uh, Jim Furyk was running around this, the first tee. That's the kind of stuff that we need to see. And I do think that I don't know if maybe it's the day before they're leaning into it a little bit more. But um, Bryson galloping around the first tee. This is mm-hmm. this is a chance for him. I really think to flip the script um, on what people think about him, but let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Do we think that the Brooks Bryson feud is really put to bed as <laughs> and everyone says it is? I mean, I think it's a little staged, you know, and that's just my thought from the outside, looking in the video of Brooks walking up to Bryson and they're capturing I mean, It looked almost a little Hollywood, um, a little staged to like, Hey guys, there's no problem here. Oh, okay. You know, so you know, I, I don't think they're walking out of there going to Disneyland together anytime soon. I mean, I, I think they're putting their differences aside for the week and off they go. Who knows? Maybe they did have dinner and it is authentic and they're moving on. It feels staged to me. It feels a little forced, but it is good to see, um, you know, America coming out and showing some personality and loosening up a little bit because that's what they need to do. I mean, Stricker, his number one job is to he's got he. He's got the better team, you know, and when you have the better team, can you create the environment that's going to allow them to flourish? That's the number one job. I think Stricker, you know, he's a great guy, but he's serious. He's businesslike. Um, you know, can he loosen up a little bit and create that environment with some of the other vice captains like you talked about with Ferrick, who can show some personality, likes to hoop it up a little bit. Freddie's calm and, you know, can crack some joy. Can they loosen up? And just go out and just play instinctive golf. And if they can do that, they're the better team and they'll win. That's what's interesting about coaches when you have really good golfers, right? Because it's like it's the same thing with like college and and even high school coaches. Like you don't you're not coaching them. You're more so putting them in the environment that they need to succeed. Right. And that's what I don't know if people really grasp fully is Stricker's just making the kind of babysitting, making sure everybody's like there and fine and then putting them in the right situation to succeed. He's not going out there and telling them that their swing's too flat. <laughs> no, no, no. Stricker, you know, there's some X's and O's, I think, with with some of the matchups. I mean, there's probably some things to look at statistically, um, especially from an alternate shot standpoint. You know, I've said all along, I think Stricker has to do two things. One is he's he's got to get that environment right where these guys do come together and play for something bigger than them. And they're loose. I mean, that's number one. Number two, I think he, he's got to get these alternate shot pairings right. They, they've got to come out of Friday morning at least two to two. They can't come out of their three one. Now they start losing the mojo. 
And it's like, here we go again. Europeans are way better at alternate shot. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, I think I have an idea what he's going to do, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens Friday morning. Americans can set the stage. They come out and they roll 3-1, very much like they did in Hazeltine. I think they can route these guys. But, you know, it's kind of like one of those things. The more you let them hang around, this is an experienced group in Europe. They know how to win this. And I'll tell you, Samantha, it's just brilliant to watch their strategy, too. I mean, and it starts with their social media, some of the videos that come. I mean, it's just brilliant that when you look at them, the first thing, you just kind of relax. You laugh. They feel approachable. You know, they come out with the cheese heads. They deflect all stress and expectation to the Americans. Hey, we're on their store. The golf course is going to be set up for them. They're the better players in official world golf. I mean, it's just them, you know, always like they're the better players. And, and they just like, yeah, we're just here to play golf and we know what we're doing and we're confident and off we go. So I just, I love their approach. They're just, they're just so much better at this. When you really sit back and analyze it from the team competition than the Americans are, I think there's a lot to learn. I think America will win, but I think there are things to learn from this European team and the way they handle this road game. It's brilliant. How, how much of a impact do you think passion plays in this specific tournament because you look at a guy like Ian Poulter, who was picked as a captain's pick, who's not near the form or talent as most of the guys on the USA team, maybe, maybe all, but he's what has never lost. And there's some crazy stat about him. He's great in the Ryder cup. He shows up for it because he's passionate about it. How much that, you know, how much can you take that into consideration when it comes to Europe too? I think it's everything. He, he wants to be there. You know, I think I go back to Brooks um, and he talks about how it's hard for him to get up for other tournaments and he just really can focus around major championships. It shows, you know, and then you, then you get into the deflection of, well, I guess I'm not wired for this, this team uh, competition. Right. And I, I think as much as I appreciate the transparency and the honesty, I do think that's shared by some other players. I do. I think there's guys that can take or leave the Ryder Cup. I think it's lost some of its appeal. I know when I was growing up, it was the thing. And I do think in America, Jordan Spieth said his number one goal this year was to get back on the Ryder Cup. That's a big statement. So I think with Spieth and JT and Xander and Cantlay, I think it means a ton. I think there's a few that are, it means something but it's not the most important thing for Ian. It's the most important thing. And, and for a lot of these players like a Lee Westwood, a Fleetwood Sergio, if it's not the most important thing, it's right there. It's one or one, you know, so that's the way they've been able to carry this tradition on. I think that was established by Seve and others and really own it. And it showed winning nine of the last 12, where I think it's lost some appeal and it's lost some momentum on the American side. And I'm hoping we can recapture that. I think the one thing that I really like, Samantha, about the American team is that they have six rookies. I think with the rookies and the youth of this team, the average age is just under 30. They can come out and look, I wouldn't hear the last 10 years. This is our time. It's time to begin a new chapter, a new legacy. And let's restart this thing back up. And let's get on a run of our own. And that's what I'm hoping happens. Yeah. I mean, it's going to, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch unfold, especially tonight, the pairings at five yeah. o'clock with the opening ceremony. Um, but real quick back to what you said about Brooks, because watch his press conference today. 
Um, two interesting points that I took. One was somebody asked if he's ready to play 36 holes a day, which to me at first sounded like a stupid question. Then when I, t- then when I kind of absorbed it, I'm like, I guess that kind of makes sense. They don't usually play right. often, nor, I mean, that's not a very walkable course as we know. <laughs> um, so it's yeah. interesting. He described himself. The first thing that came out of his mouth was, well, man, I'm like glass. And I'm like, what? And he kind of paused. Then he's talking about how fragile he is and how yeah. his knees are bad and his wrist is bad and blah, blah, blah. And he doesn't have his physio there. He says he's at 100%. But that I felt like was an interesting um, way to describe it, um, considering he he acts so, you know, yeah. ultra rubber top, like, right? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of pressure on Brooks this week. I really do. I, I think he's the way he's handled it. And, you know, we, some people that's not a big deal. I I think it is a big deal. You know, I think Brooks has done a lot this year off the course with the Bryson feud, with the interview with golf digest, the way he handles, you know, some of the questions. I mean, there's a lot of pressure there um, for Brooks to go out and perform here. And if he doesn't, then, you know, he very well might hear it from some of the American fans. So, I think there's some pressure there. I don't think Brooks is going to play 36. I think that'd be silly considering his injuries. Um, You know, I think what we're going to see Friday morning is we're going to see JT and Spieth go out first. I mean, to me, those are the, those are the leaders. Those are the guys I'm hoping that's kind of taking the bull by the horn in the locker room. And I think you're going to see them number one. And then I think you're going to see Cantlay and Xander number two. And I, and I think if those two guys, those four guys can go out and set the tone and they're playing some decent golf. I think you'll see him for five. I think you'll see him for five matches. Those are the four guys. Now, Morikawa, I would put in there, but I'm I don't know where Morikawa's at physically easily. He was tired at the end of last year and he was having some back issues. That's why he didn't play good. So I think Morikawa, you have to kind of maybe show him three times. But those first four to me are the dogs, they're the leaders. Brooks, I think you save for four ball. Um, best ball in the afternoon. I think he saved Bryson for best ball in the afternoon. I could see DJ and Morikawa getting teamed up in the morning. And, and DJ is another one of those guys that I think could go five. I would love to see DJ play his best golf of the year right now. Um, because I think, you know, DJ is kind of a guy. I, I, I was using this analogy with someone on, you know, on the airplane coming up. I was like, you know, it's like DJ to me is someone it's like that star wide receiver that you want to get in the game early, you know, in an NFL game, let's just throw him like a little two yard out, <laughs> you know, and get it, get his head, get his game going. And DJ could be like that morning guy that could go out and just blitz it. And then just when DJ goes, it's like, get out of the way. Right. So I, I, I think DJ and Morikawa could get matched up in the morning. And I think it'd be interesting if DJ's on it, he could play five. And then I'm I'm holding on to Berger and Harris as the other ones. I'd like to see them play alternate shot. I have a feeling it's going to be Berger and Kepka, but I'm hoping it's Berger and Harris English. I like the Berger Harris English uh, angle. I haven't heard that yet because I think everybody is so caught up on Berger Kepka, the Jupiter boys, yeah, Florida um, State. Yeah, the whole thing. But I'll tell you what, you mentioned DJ, and I swear with all these storylines, it's almost like I forgot he was there, like going to be there. <laughs> we haven't talked about DJ in so long. Yeah. Um, 
He's he is good at that. Um, but one one point that I know you weren't you weren't there listening at the at the press conference with Kepka about his comments um, towards Golf Digest. Just want to say I just want to say this is a quote, so I don't get it wrong. Quote: I never said it was a negative experience talking about the Ryder Cup. And then he says, "You guys spun it that way. I said it was different." I've never played any of these team events. I didn't play Walker Cup, didn't play Junior Ryder Cup, never played anything. I just said it was different. That doesn't mean it's bad. I enjoyed it. Like I said, I wouldn't be nervous on the first tee if I didn't care. So we don't have to go into that, but just wanted to um, kind of, he kind of got on the defense a little bit there and got a little bit, you know, kind of caught off guard when somebody asked him about it. So it was an interesting take there. It is. And I think it's, it's, you know, I think for Brooks, like, look, we're, we're cheering for Brooks. Like we, we need Brooks. I, you know, to me, Brooks is this athlete, right. And he's this alpha male and like, he's so, you know, he'll, he positions himself that way. And, you know, he's played other sports. So it's like this team competition can be, you know, to me, it's like, gosh, I Brooks feels like a good fit for this, but yet, he kind of the position like it wasn't, you know, and, and so here we are and you, you add that up with the stuff that happened with um, Bryson and, you know, it's been a distraction. And so, you know, like we need Brooks to come in and, and buy in play great and contribute to this team USA. Brooks is a young guy. Um, He's a dog when he's, when he's on, he's a great player and we need him. You know, we need those, we need our great players to come in, and want to be there and buy in and contribute and play great. And I think Brooks with Finau four ball could be phenomenal. I think those two together Friday afternoon would be must watch TV. Your three keys for, for USA to win rapid fire. Ooh, three keys. I, I feel like, you know, the one thing that Europe's done in the past is they're, their leaders and good players play well, you know, and, and when you look historically, we know Tiger and Phil haven't played well. I think it's a good thing. We're flipping the switch. I I do. I I think so we've got, it's a new look, it's a new era. Right. And I think that's the way you got to treat it. So who are the leaders to me? It's Spieth and JT. I I think they could go out and set the tone. I really do. You know, I don't want to say like they have to play well to win, but I think, them going out and setting the tone because I think they're going to go out Friday morning, Friday afternoon, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, and Sunday morning. Like I think they're going to lead with them. That's what I would do. So I think that's number one, that team. Number two, I'm going to go then Patrick and Cantley following that up. They're two rookies. We have six rookies. Um, Those two, you've got Colin, you've got Harris, you got Scheffler um, and you've got Berger. So six rookies, that's a big number but they're all experienced. Um, they know how to play. So I think that team could be interesting as number two. And then, you know, I don't know. I, I think number three, you could go a number of different ways. You know, there's probably a guy that we're not talking about. That's going to capture us three points. Finau was the lone bright spot in France. You know, he played well there. But it feels like number three's got to be some kind of Brooks Bryson contingency. Like one of those guys has to be good. They can't both go out and go 0 and 3 like Bryson did three years ago. So we need 
those guys to, to one of those guys, I think to step up and follow the lead of those first two groups. Well, I'll say, I know that you aren't rooting for it, but I still have hope that Stricker will put Bryson and Brooks together. If, no. he, wants to, if he wants to break the internet, if he wants to be, no. I think he does it. And I'm going to hold on to that. And then when I, he does it, we can say that I was right. I think Carson Daly is going to come in and give a speech. Why a motivational speech, why that shouldn't happen. Yeah. So yeah, apparently Carson Daly is flying up to give a motivational speech tonight to team USA, which makes about as much sense to me as when I see Michael Phelps narrating the Ryder cup commercial on NBC. Well, there's not a lot of options for America to have guys come in who've had a lot of great success as of late to give that speech. The guy that needed to give the speech was the guy I had the podcast on Monday, which is Lanny Watkins. He's in, he's the only two guys that have had more success than Lanny Watkins playing is Arnold Palmer and Billy Casper. So Lanny Watkins is the guy to have him go in there. But I think Lanny would go in there and perhaps rough him up a little bit you know, and give him some tough love, which isn't a bad thing either. Um, but probably not the place right before you go out and play. So they haven't had a lot. Carson Daly's a, very interesting pick. I don't know. Um, but let's just hope that let's hope they come out. They're loose. They play and they set the tone early with those two groups. Maybe the whole thing is just a promotion for golf pass. <laughs> Probably. That's, that's, yeah. what I, that's Probably. the only thing I could draw from Carson Daly. I don't even know. Um, so Harrington is going to get a tattoo of the winning score. If you're up wins. Okay. Last thing I'll say, if you had to go with not just because you live in the U.S. and you want them to win, do you really think the U.S. is going to win by logic? I, I do. I, I think they're going to win. This golf course is set up for them. Um, I, I just think the competitors that they have in there, I, I think this could be the beginning of kind of turning the tide. I I, I was very happy to see the six rookies make it. Um, I think wrong or I think um you know Jordan and JT are the can be the logical leaders they're young guys DJ's the oldest he's not even that old you know Brooks is going to be around Cantlay and Xander are coming into their own I mean like they can they can put on a run here you know like they can get on a run here and I think home field advantage hey guys let's rally this up a little bit let's come together let's go out and let's beat these guys' ass, right? Because when you look at them on paper, it's not close. Um, you know, I mean, from a strokes gain total standpoint, I'll give you just a little feel here before we jump off. Strokes gain total, okay? Over the last 100 rounds, so this year for the most part, John Rahm, we know, is number one. He, he's John Rahm's best player. And, and John Rahm and Rory have to go out and play well because the Europe best players historically have played well. I do think the kicker for Europe, real quick, of Anastas is Fleetwood and Hatton. I think those are the two guys. They haven't played good this year. Fleetwood lost his card. Those two guys need to play well. If they don't, I think it's going to be difficult for them. So, Rom's one. Then it goes DJ, Xander, Cantley, Berger, Thomas, Bryson. Okay, so the next six guys are Americans. <laughs> and strokes gain total. Then it goes Victor. And then we jump into Finau and Morikawa. And I mean, it's like, it's just front-loaded strokes gain total last 100 rounds. Then you go all the way to the bottom. And the last 
six guys. There's 24 players. 19's Lowry, 20's Garcia, 21's Poulter, 22's Fleetwood, 23's Westwood, 24's Weisberger. The last six guys, strokes can total last 100 rounds, are on the very bottom from Europe. So it's, that's, you know, that's, that's a pretty big difference when you look at it from a statistical standpoint. But you don't play golf on paper. You play it on the links. Europe is a, does a brilliant job of coming together as a team, the trust, they play with heart, and they deflect and they position things so beautifully, I think, to the public. It adds pressure and expectation to the United States who tend to play tighter. So we'll see. Can they come out and play loose, set the stage, and put these guys away? I think they can. And I think they can they could do it to the tune of – what was it? Um, they, I think they beat us by six or seven points in France. I think if they they you know they could do that, right? They have that kind of skill set on their team to put this team away by five or six. Well, you talk about strokes gained approach, but I would argue that strokes gained passion. Yeah, <laughs> it means more. I, I, think, I mean, I think I, I think through and through it does. I mean. Yeah. Man to man, perhaps not. Right. You can't put a blanket over every. But I think through the bag and all the players and caddies and vice president, there's a you know, this is how it goes. This is important. And it's it's beat into you very similar to like right here, like the like cheese in the Green Bay Packers. It's beat into you when you're young and then you watch it and you come up and you're a part of it. And it's like, dang, right. This is unbelievable. The best thing in the world. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. I, I think Friday morning, 2-2, two, 3-1 two, Americans, off we go. You know, 3-1 Europe, we're in for a fight. Well, we'll see, and you'll be right there on the ground to watch it. So yes. be sure to stay tuned to Travis Fulton Golf on Instagram, Travis Fulton on Twitter and Facebook, and we will be back at you next week for some long drive um, coverage. Yes. And we're going to be talking to uh, some long drive people. going to have a series of how to hit longer drives on social media. So stay tuned for that. And Travis, have fun this weekend. All right. Thank you, Samantha. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch. No pod tomorrow. We'll be back on Monday. Let's take a second to talk about the folks over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value, performance, and customer service. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter-weighted balls made with the high-density particles and proprietary nanotransitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy, control, and distance. Encore recently added the Vero X1 to its suite of award-winning golf balls, one that already included the Golf Digest gold-rated elixir and low-compression Avant 55. Through its full suite of golf balls, Encore can help transform any golfer's game. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more info about Encore and start revolutionizing your game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. 